You are listening to The Star Coach Show with Meg Rentschler, episode 205. So the best way that you can think about it is IQ is kind of what I think, EQ is what I feel, and SQ, spiritual intelligence, is what I am. And she says with her research that spiritual intelligence underpins IQ and EQ because it gives you this ability to access higher meanings and values an ability to kind of set your ego aside and set your personal day-to-day concerns aside so you can make decisions really for the highest good of all. Welcome to Star Coaches, the show for professional coaches that brings you coaching strategies, tools, and resources. Whatever your focus or niche, take a front seat weekly as industry leaders, decision makers, and innovators share their wisdom and expertise on the ins and outs of successful coaching. Now join your host, Meg Rinchler, as she connects you with your star coaching potential. Hello and welcome to the show. It is wonderful to have you here. I'm your host, Meg Rinchler, and as always this week, I'm excited to bring a way of looking at coaching and how we can partner with our clients in a different way, in sort of giving you a different perspective, something to think about when looking through a different lens. My guest today is going to open our eyes to what spiritual intelligence is and how that can help us bring the human back into the workplace. I've had several shows around the human spirit in the workplace, and my guest today, Amy Lynn Durham, is absolutely just what the doctor ordered in that she is going to help us explore the concept of spiritual IQ and how she was able to apply the principles that she's going to talk about in the workplace and actually have evidence on what works and how people are impacted. Amy is a UC Berkeley certified executive coach and emotional intelligence practitioner. She has spent years in the corporate world, and she's going to talk to us about that experience and what led her into executive coaching. She has successfully managed hundreds of employees for both private and publicly traded companies. Now, Amy is often referred to as a corporate mystic due to her unique ability of focusing on spiritual intelligence in order to energize and transform the workplace. So as we explore what that means and how that impacts the people that she works with, you're also going to get some specific examples of things that you can do to bring that human spirit more into the workplace to be able to nurture and focus in on the spiritual aspect of your clients. And Amy is going to share with us what makes that so important. So without further ado, let's go to my interview with executive coach, Amy Lynn Durham. Amy, welcome to the Star Coach Show. Thanks for spending time with me today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. (laughs) 
absolutely. You do some really neat work. I'm super excited to let the audience experience the concept of spiritual intelligence. And we're going to get into sharing what is that and and what makes that important and all that good stuff. But I'd love to start with you sharing a little bit about what led you into the work that you do now and to writing your new book. Yes, absolutely. I would love to share all that. So I used to work in the corporate world for years. And I got to the point where I was feeling like my creativity was getting crippled in the workplace. And I got to a point in my life where I needed to make a plan as far as what my next steps were. And I actually have an exercise called the grass is green right here that I used in my real life to help me get through that final year before I decided to leave my job and pursue something else. And so what I did was I made a decision to leave my job but I planned it out for a year. And when I planned it, I really thought through, okay, how do I want my employees to feel when I leave? What kind of impact do I want to leave? What kind of legacy do I want to leave? The answer to some of those things were I wanted to leave everybody better than when I found them. I wanted to leave number one (laughs) because I'm competitive, but (laughs) but I wanted to leave number one because I wanted to prove that collaboration over cutthroat competitiveness actually works better in the workplace. And I, w- I really wanted to prove that that drives profitability and productivity over putting people, pitting people against each other. Interesting, which is actually some of what you rolled into the work you did once you left, right? So it was almost like setting a case study for yourself. <laughs> yes, you nailed it for sure. Once I made that decision, you know, I kept it to myself and every day I woke up in the morning and just said, okay, how can I help today? You know, I'm feeling burnt out in the workplace. I feel like my creativity is crippled, but how can I help today? How can I help my employees have a better day? How can I help my boss have a better day? And in the meantime, I did these, these collaborative field, my field tested activities that I ended up putting in my book. And at the time I didn't know I was going to put them in my book. No, I, yeah, but, but, but you definitely knew that you wanted to prove that collaborative heart centered work brings more profit and, and productivity than let's pit everybody against each other. hundred percent. Yeah. It was really impactful because it felt like a win-win when I was witnessing it in the workplace when you see a couple people connect on a team that maybe got on each other's nerves before mm-hmm. they start seeing each other as, as a human being, what maybe their life is like outside of work. And then maybe they go a little bit extra to help them out on a project. Cause you or, humanize you know, them or you, you help. That's so good. Yeah, what other yeah. results did you see during that year that you were working yourself away from your job? What else did you see as results of your intention to put your kind of philosophy to practice? I definitely saw that other people were taking notice throughout the country. And it was just kind of, well, well wow, she has a really diverse team. You know, they're really, they're really collaborative. They work together. But it was almost like, what's, why is that? What's that secret sauce there? Mm-hmm. And a lot of executives are really stuck with like data points, right? They want to see it on an Excel spreadsheet mm-hmm. and they want to see the profit and loss statement, whatever that is. So it almost, I could tell it was kind of like something intangible 
that they couldn't really wrap their brain around. But if you dig a little bit deeper, you can find that you can do a lot of data on productivity for engaged employees, but it just, it's a hidden cost for companies that sometimes people don't look at. So, so you, you did begin to see that you, you made a name for yourself in some ways about your team and what they were able to provide. How was your exit taken? I'm sure if you were getting those kinds of results, they were not excited about you saying, okay, now it's time for me to go elsewhere. Well, I like to say I got really lucky because, and I I don't think it's luck. I think it's intention setting and putting yourself on the right path, really. When I was getting to the point where I was going to leave and I was checking the box on everything I wanted to accomplish before I went, my company actually sold to another company. And I had been through a company sellout before and they offered me a new position at the new company, but I had already had all of this planned. And so it was easier for me to say, hey, I'm going to go my own way. Thank you, but no thank you. So off you went. So tell me a little bit about the work that you do now. So when I left my job, I traveled over the summer just to take a break because I had really been traveling quite a bit for work. I hadn't really slept in my same bed for, you know, a week straight in maybe two years. So that was my first goal is I'm going to sleep in my own bed (laughs) for a lengthy period of time. I'm going to rest and restore. And then that's where I started working on documenting the field tested activities that I did. And then I attended the UC Berkeley Executive Coaching Institute in October of 2019 and went through their program for six months and got certified as an executive coach with them. Mm-hmm. Book got published, brand got started, create magic at work. And here we are. <laughs> here we are. So we're talking today about bringing human back into the workplace, which is so in line with my whole, you know, we had a similar story into being motivated into the executive coaching space to create healthier work environments is sort of what I have said over time. And because I saw so many therapy clients coming to therapy, because they were so overwrought Mm -hmm. by whatever the work environment was bringing to them. So in my therapy practice, being full of overwrought, underappreciated people, I thought, "Mm, I need to do something different here. So we had a different path, but with that same intention, I love that Create Magic at Work, the whole concept. Congratulations on your brand, on your new business. And when we think about bringing human back to the workplace. And Mm -hmm. when we think about using our spiritual intelligence, let's explore what spiritual intelligence is all about. Yeah. So I love Dana Zohar. She's a, a physicist and a philosopher that put out a really great article about spiritual intelligence and the important of the importance of it and why it trumps IQ and EQ in the workplace or in Mm -hmm. life in general. Mm Mm-hmm. So the best way that you can think about it is IQ is kind of what I think, EQ is what I feel, and SQ, spiritual intelligence, is what I am. And she says with her research that spiritual intelligence underpins IQ and EQ because it gives you this ability to access higher meanings and values and ability to kind of set your ego aside and set your personal day-to-day concerns aside so you can make decisions really for the highest good of all. So good. (laughs) So when you think about 
spiritual intelligence, when we all begin to think about that, maybe we're digesting Mm -hmm. it for the very first time. What are some ways that we can tap into our spiritual intelligence? That's a really, really great question. So everyone has it, right? It's whether they're shutting it down and ignoring it or saying, hey, I'm feeling some, everyone has intuition Mm -hmm. and it's whether they follow it or not or shut it down. And I think a lot of people have been taught to shut it down because people might say, oh, that's woo woo. That doesn't mean anything or, and then what's happening is you're, you have people that are discrediting your experience or your reality, and then you don't trust yourself and then you don't trust decisions you make. So my first thought when you ask me that question is follow your intuition when you notice something and see what happens. When, when I wrote this book, I wrote it in with, I'm just going to say this, but I kind of wrote it with the beer drinking golf male executive in mind, because I felt like just based off my experience with my coworkers, they needed a little something to give them a blueprint for what to do in the workplace. They have really great hearts and they want to make a difference, but maybe they lack the direction on how to do it. So I really wanted to give just like real simple ways that you could tap into spiritual intelligence that don't feel huge and big, right? And you can say, well, maybe this is EQ as well, which is fine. Whatever works, as long as the point gets, the point gets across. Right. Simple, simple things you can do as a leader. I, I say just have courage to try it and to be vulnerable and see what the results are. Something as simple as starting off your meeting, sharing with each other what you're grateful for this week, which you and I just did, right? Before we started, I was complaining right. about, I was complaining about the weather and we, we were like, you're like, no, but we have gratitude for AC. And I'm like, yeah, we have gratitude for air conditioning. So <laughs> helping spin that around, you know? Right, right. So in your experience of bringing this in, now you sort of brought it into your old company, mm-hmm. sort of under the radar, you were just going to start applying it. But now that this is, and by the way, the name of the book is Create Magic at Work also, guys. So that's the, the that's Amy's brand and well as the name of the book. When you think about creating magic at work and you're actually talking to executives, those beer drinking, golf club swinging executives, what kinds of like responses are you getting to let's create magic at work? I haven't really received any negative responses from it. I have the membership group and there's a few people in there that have joined because they say, I need this. I'm not really sure where to go with this. I would have people reaching out to me, hey, I'm sharing on workplace culture. I need a great article. I don't really know where to go. So I think that there's, I think there's a need for it. And I think that they're starving for it. And they just want some simple ways to help connect their people. And Mm -hmm. this is really, I kept it really simple. I kept it really basic. The intention setting exercise is really cool. That's been utilized quite a bit in different workplace spaces. Mm-hmm. And I've seen it utilized with large groups of men and it's been really impactful. It's where you write something on a piece of tissue paper that maybe you want to bring into your life or maybe you want to let go of in your life. And then once everyone's done, you kind of go around and you share with each other what you wrote and then you light it on fire and then it goes down and it flies up into the air. It's from a company called Flying Wish Paper. And I mean, there's been tears in large groups of men that do this. So I go back to the Maya Angelou thing, quote that everybody says quite a bit. People will forget what you said, what you did, but they'll always remember 
how you made them feel. Mm-hmm. And that's a testament right there that, you know, that that group will never forget that leadership moment with their boss. And guess what? If he needs something a little bit extra, you better believe that they'll deliver so because good. he gave them that moment, you know? Right. So you talked about opening up a meeting with some sharing of gratitude, sharing of intention. You talked about the magic paper that burns and and allows groups to write intentions and and then let them go or release them or whatever it is that are, if there's things that they're releasing or things they're committing to. What other things do you focus on with organizations or with teams around spiritual intelligence? If we're offering tools to leaders and coaches, if that if that's what you mean, there's a few things that that I can talk about. I've done a group exercise with uh, USC Project Wellness during the the COVID quarantine where we did a word destroying and a word reshaping exercise. So we had everybody write down three words that described how they were feeling, and you'll see that themes come through with that. And of course, a lot of people were putting anxiety, right? (laughs) Right. And so what we did was whatever that word was, we were going to reshape it and destroy it. And so we took about a minute to think that through. And then we had them write, well, what does the opposite of anxiety mean to you? So we're not telling anybody how to feel or what to do. Everyone has their own answers from within. Mm -hmm. And that's part of the spiritual intelligence piece too, right? I am, I can trust myself. I can trust my own intuition. I have the right answer for me. And anyways, it was a really cool experience because they picked their opposite word of anxiety and whatever that was. And that's what's so important. I mean, and I just want to reinforce that. It is, we should not fall into assumption as the coach that, oh, that person doesn't want to feel anxious. Therefore, they want to feel at ease or they want to feel relaxed or whatever the opposite might be to us does not necessarily mean the opposite to somebody might be energized or might be, I mean, it could be any number of things. So I love what you're saying about the person has with the answer within themselves. Let's ask rather than assume or tell. I love it. That's exactly what I'm saying. It's the whole stay curious piece, right? Mm -hmm. As a coach, you have to stay curious. I'm curious. What's the opposite of anxious or anxiety? What does that mean to you? And you get a different answer from every single person mm-hmm. instead of, you know, giving them the answer. Right. And then, you know, for example, I had one individual say serenity. Okay, great. So let's mind map as a modality what you can do in your life to bring more serenity. So in the middle of the, the mind map, you know, basic mind yeah. map, right? You put serenity and then that person writes their own prescription for self-care and for destroying anxiety and reshaping it and say, well, oh, it's for me, it's yoga. For me, it's spending more time with my kids playing with them. And then you have this whole prescription you just wrote for yourself by the end of the exercise. And then to take the pressure off, I say, hey, just pick one or two of these and don't put a lot of pressure on yourself to do every single one because then it just turns into another task that you have to do. That's a beautiful example. So you're, you're saying that people are open to it. When you approach organizations to bring the work that you do into them, 
any pushback, any confusion? Like what kinds of responses are you getting when you say, hey, this is what I do and I'd like to share it with your people? I have to tell you, I haven't really experienced any pushback, but that could just be because I'm not attracting those individuals in the first place. I do experience a lot of people asking me questions like you're asking me like, hey, how does this work? You know, are you, do people, are people off put by this? Something like that. But I haven't really experienced any pushback. I mean, I had a CEO of my company. He was amazing. And we had a terrible publicly traded company. I worked for, I won't say, but we had a terrible year and he was just devastated. And we took the, the wish paper in front of everybody and just wrote the year on it and lit it on fire in front of the team. So when you make people comfortable Mm-hmm. to maybe do some of these practices, they'll see the results and it'll help. But I think a big part of this year too, just to maybe answer your question in, in two parts is we've noticed with COVID and we've noticed with what's going on with the Black Lives Matter movement, that there's a lot of system shakeup going on. And I really think that it's happening for a reason. I wouldn't be the corporate mystic if I didn't say that. And I think it's because some of the old systems that we've been using maybe aren't working for the best anymore. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of upheaval right now, but a lot of what's going to come through from this is a lot of kind of like the feminine energy. And when you ask me if people are off put by this or if they don't have a reaction, I'm not really noticing it because I'm operating from a space where I'm going to attract the people that are meant for me. And they're going to approach me. And so I'm not in this patriarchal type energy where I'm going after competing, et cetera. I try because I came out of a huge competitive environment. So it's hard for me (laughs) because I used to get my dopamine hits from winning in the workplace, Mm -hmm. cutthroat competition, commission being number one. So as an entrepreneur, it's been quite a shift to try not to get my dopamine hits from being competitive. But I try to operate from a divine feminine space Mm -hmm. where I attract the people that are meant to work for me. And it really puts your clients in a huge power position because they chose you. And so it makes them feel much more powerful in the situation and empowered. And you're so clear for you. No, (laughs) you are so clear about what it is that you offer. And unapologetic about it. Not that you should be apologetic about it, but I think that when we can be clear, concise, confident in what our message is, that we don't have to work for every Tom, Dick, and Harry because they all have people that are fits for them. But when you set your intention and you say, this is who I am and this is what I offer, you're exactly right. That those people who say, I want her special sauce are going to be lining up for you. So how did you get that clarity through the cutthroat competition workplace that you were in? How did you land in your place? I know. I'm glad you asked me that because I was just thinking, gosh, it looks like I have it all together when I don't every day, right? We're all human and we Absolutely. all struggle and grow. This is a path we're all on. <laughs> yeah. So thank you. I, for a really long time, would separate who I was as a mystic and leave that at home and then go to work and be, you know, corporate Amy. And it was really through my experience of leaving my job and becoming an executive coach and realizing that 
the coaches I was attracting were struggling with being their authentic selves in the workplace. And it's funny how we attract what we have to work on, right? right. <laughs> and here I was trying to incorporate how I was splitting myself, kind of not bringing my full self to work and, you know, leaving parts of myself at home. Mm-hmm. And I think that is what a lot of the pain is about right now in the world is people are struggling to be seen as who they are authentically. And so it was a huge leap of faith for me to kind of put both pieces together and build this brand, Create Magic at Work, come out. They used to call me Mystic Mama at my old job because, you know, I would bring these, but really like say, yes, I am a corporate mystic. I do these things because I want to bring light and healing to the workplace. Mm -hmm. So it was a journey and it was hard. And putting yourself out there is not easy. And starting a business is not easy. And when you leave, when you, when you hear, I don't know if anybody else is like this, but you know, you see people, oh, go after your life purpose. And you know, if you're not happy, just take the leap. And it's not all puppy dogs and ice cream and rainbows. It's a it lot of not, hard work. It's a lot of hard work. It's a lot of hard work. And every day is a roller coaster. I had an entrepreneur coach that I hired and he was really helpful for me. One of his lines I always tell myself when I'm, when I'm getting down is he says, first people say she's never going to make it. Then they say, oh, I always knew she was going to make it. And then they ask you for money. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and so I always say that line in my head when I'm feeling like, oh gosh, on that roller coaster, but Mm -hmm. I'm staying with it because it's where my heart is. So I I don't know if that answered your question. That did. That that was, and I, and I think that, um, the other, you know, I've had coaches approach me and say, I I do want to just, is it time to leave corporate America? Is it time to leave my job and, and hang my shingle or build my business? And I guess, you know, you were very planful about it. You took a year to do that. I'm assuming, and although I shouldn't assume that you were putting other things, foundational pieces in place. I consistently say, and I know you guys have heard me say this, if you're building your business out of scarcity, you're not going to create what you want. So what do you have to do to be able to be solidly in that place of, I'm able to pay my bills and put food on the table or, or that I'm not going to be in panic when I'm trying to attract clients because that's not an attraction. What are your thoughts about that? Yeah, I completely agree. You don't want to come from a place of scarcity because if you're putting off scarcity energy, I don't know if that's the right, right. you're going to that attract. Low ener- yeah. yeah. So if you're putting off, I'm scared and I'm not going to have any money, you're going to attract, I'm scared. I don't have any money. Mm-hmm. Easier said than done. Right. Right. Absolutely. I think it takes a deep assessment of where you want to be in your life and what you want your life to look like and a real understanding of the fact that it's hard work moving forward. And like I said, it's not all rainbows and puppy dogs and ice cream. So, you know, maybe, maybe you, I, I know a ton of individuals that are still in the corporate space. They have children. They want to save for maybe their wedding, their college, et cetera. So they're not really in a space to go pursue starting their own company, which is Mm -hmm. fine. I mean, Mm -hmm. some people want to work for a corporation because they like to be part of a team and that's okay too. I think when you're thinking about it, differentiating between if maybe this is like a side 
hobby or a side thing you want to do, or if it's something you really want to go after. And that takes a lot of self-reflection. I've got a exercise that I've done with a few coaches and it's called in 10 years. And it's been really impactful because it's about 10 questions and they sort of fill in the blank. In 10 years, I am in 10 years, I give back by, and they kind of go through it and reflect on where they want to be and who they want to be in 10 Mm -hmm. years and what that looks like for them. So again, not giving them the answer, but letting them think that through. And I think that's important. Yeah. And just to add to the spiritual intelligence piece, you know, bring that in, trust your intuition. Sometimes fear is a compass. Sometimes it's not. (laughs) If there's a lion chasing you, your life's in danger. But I sort of, for me, differentiate between, okay, do I feel like I'm jumping out of an airplane? Maybe before I I do a podcast interview, let's say, that's a good feeling because it's like that, ooh, this is exciting. Mm -hmm. Or am I really in danger? It's that whole nervous system regulation piece. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of things you can think about there, but I really tapped into my spiritual intelligence before I left my job. I looked at a lot of the energies that were surrounding what my life was like. I asked the universe for messages to be sent to me. You can ask for symbols in your life Mm -hmm. and then see if they show up in front of you for maybe Mm -hmm. answers to questions. I had just written my plan to exit my job and I left my office for a break and I was walking down the aisle of like a home good type store and there was a magnet on the you know aisle for sale that said leap and the net will appear. Wow. Just boom, right there in front of you. Right there. So I'm like, okay. So I bought it and put it on my fridge. And just every time I started feeling that anxious feeling, I just kept thinking leap and the net will appear. Like this is what's meant for me. So, so so exciting. (laughs) So as we're rolling to the end of our time here. What have I not asked you about spiritual intelligence or creating magic at work that we want to be sure we share with the audience before we wrap up today? I think the biggest thing that I would like to leave everybody with is just really have the courage and the vulnerability to try something with your team, with your coachee, even if it's small, you know, even if it's I mean, it might not sound small to me, but I love picking a word to journal with each other and maybe do like a one minute rapid write. I I journaled with someone the other day on prosperity. We were quiet for a minute and just shared what does prosperity mean to you? And we sat in that space. But I mean, I have a ton of ideas, but my point is just try something that is a baby step to bring heart and human connection to the workplace. The results that you'll see when you show your courage and your vulnerability to do that as a leader or as a coach, you can't put a figure on it. And then you start creating ripple effects in the world. So when you bring forth those answers from within, from individuals, they start healing themselves. And when we start healing ourselves is when the world gets healed. Wow. So with that, Amy has a lot of those great ideas in her book, Create Magic at Work, Practical Tools to Ignite Human Connection. And Amy, how can people reach you? So it's super easy. All you have to do is go to createmagicatwork.net. All our social media links are there. Access to join the membership group where you get a lot of these cool tools every month released to you. And then the link to order the book is there as well. But you can find the book on Amazon, Create Magic at Work. 
and so all the good. other platforms. So yeah. And all of Amy's links are also going to be in the show notes at starcoachshow.com. So Amy, thanks so much for spending time with us and bringing this great perspective for all of us to really think about and determine how are we paying attention to our spiritual intelligence. Thank you so much, Meg. I hope everyone enjoyed it today because I really did. Thank you. I just loved my conversation with Amy. It opened up new perspective, challenged us to think in expanded ways. And she gave such great examples about ways to bring this work forward. If you'd like to know more about Amy Lynn Durham or her book, Create Magic at Work, Practical Tools to Ignite Human Connection, there are links to connect with Amy at starcoachshow.com, episode 205. And I think she's well worth keeping in touch with. And I have a copy of her book and just love it. So thanks again to Amy for joining us. Now I invite you back next week as I am welcoming Dr. Paul White to the show. Dr. White has co-authored a new book with Dr. Gary Chapman. You might know Dr. Chapman from the Five Languages of Love. Well, Dr. Chapman and Dr. White have written the Five Languages of Appreciation in the Workplace, Empowering Organizations by Encouraging People. And Dr. White is joining me next week to talk about how do we really elevate employee engagement? How do we help people feel really, truly valued in the workplace? What are the benefits of genuine appreciation in the workplace? And how do we go about doing that? I loved my interview with Dr. White, and that is next week. So I invite you back. If you want to be sure to never miss an episode, be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to the podcast. Hit that subscribe button and then the show will automatically be delivered to your device when it goes live every Wednesday morning. If you're enjoying the show, please take a moment to rate and review wherever it is that you listen so that more coaches can find us. So until next week. This is Meg Rentschler, wishing you the very best for your coaching success. Have a fantastic week.